Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. This is Evan Van Ness with an Ethereum podcast. I'm here today with Stefan Karpischek from Etherisk. Before I get started, always give the disclaimer that I am part of Consensus, so that is how any interests are aligned, because Consensus is huge. If you like this podcast, then you can thank Consensus, and if you don't like this podcast, then you can blame me. So Stefan, let's start by talking about and defining parametric insurance. I think that's fundamental to get clear on before we get any further. Well, you want to start with the hard stuff. That's good. <laughs> so parametric insurance is insurance which can be highly automated and where the decisions along the way can be done by algorithms, by software. So you have decision to take a policy to underwrite an insurance policy. So the underwriting decision can be done by software. You have a decision to do a payout or to accept a claim. And also this decision can be made by an algorithm based on data. So that's parametric insurance. I give you an example. I happen to know that's flight delay. We have built a parametric insurance application called flight delay. And the basic idea is that as soon as your flight lands and if it's delayed, then you automatically get a payout. So that's in, in the insurance business, such a thing is called parametric insurance. Another famous example is weather-based insurance based on weather data that is collected in, in weather stations. If there is a certain amount of rain you get a payout that's parametric insurance what we can do is we can build parametric insurance applications on the ethereum blockchain and we have done that so i have to ask i wasn't planning on asking this but hearing you said talk about flight delay dap how did you feel when one of the biggest insurance companies in the world decided to copy your product we are not sure if they if they really copied our product i mean if if they really did that yeah it's a really bad copy we pitched to them about eight months before and uh, them being solution. AXA, one of the biggest insurance companies in the world, right? I think the biggest. The biggest. Okay, there we go. <laughs> yes. Let me start from the beginning. We launched Flight Delay in September 2016 for DEFCON 2 in Shanghai. We re received a lot of feedback and a lot of reactions on that. And we received a lot of interest from the insurance industry and um, insurtechs. And there was there was a competition sponsored by AXA and we, we submitted our we submitted our application. We prepared a nice slide set and, and explained everything. A few months later, they come up with their own version of a flight delay insurance and claim this is on the blockchain. We were, we, I think, about 20 or 30 people at the same time made us aware of that. And so we looked into it and we tried to find out what it actually is. And we tried to get in touch with the team that, that was doing that. We realized, okay, they, they don't even disclose any smart contract address or any transaction. And all you have is just a, a user interface. And it was also limited to flights from from Paris, from and to Paris to the US. What we did is we bought a flight. We got ourselves a flight delay insurance of, of this um, application. We searched for our flight number on the Ethereum blockchain and we found the transaction with the flight number and we found the smart contract address. We realized that in fact their application was really only notarizing the existence of a policy. So it's basically proof of existence for flight delay policies and that's far from what I would 
consider an insurance application on the blockchain. So to give you in contrast what our flight delay application looks like, because that's what I like to talk about much more. Instead <laughs> of talking about others, I like to talk about our flight delay app, and that does something else. It takes premiums and so you have real money flow into the smart contract. It has the risk model calculation inside the smart contract. You get probabilities, you get um, statistics from earlier flights. The smart contract calculates the probability of a certain flight being late. And according to those probabilities, it calculates a premium to payout ratio. And the user can change, can, can choose premium. If the flight is delayed, then the smart contract pays out. So everything, that the whole insurance process from beginning to end is covered in the smart contract and is processed on the blockchain. It's in, in our case, we, of course, verify the source and make this accessible. It's open source and everybody can look at the code because nobody in his right mind would send money to a smart contract where you can't read the code. Indeed. And so we tried to we tried to make this so that we have the whole value chain of an insurance product on the blockchain in smart contracts. And we have developed this much further since then. We have applied this to other insurance verticals. We have modularized it. So and we have built a you could say a whole operating system to run insurance businesses on the Ethereum blockchain. By now and at the moment we are we are bringing this to to our dip token the decentralized insurance protocol token we want to enable a wide range of insurance applications and that's why we are setting up some infrastructure we have found a foundation in switzerland the decentralized insurance foundation so the purpose of this foundation is to promote and develop decentralized insurance applications our goal is to provide insurtechs and small businesses and groups of people who want to insure themselves. We want to provide them with all the building blocks they need to put their insurance solution on a blockchain. And we want to enable non-commercial insurance. We want to enable cooperative mutual insurance models. And of course, we want also to enable um, small insurance businesses that uh, want to make use of this great technology. Does so, it make sense so far? That does make sense. Let's go back for a second. I'm not going to ask you to speculate on why AXA built semi-decentralized, not even semi, I guess, flight delay DAP, but you worked in a similar... Coming back to uh, to the to the incumbents, huh? I think that's not so uh, such an interesting topic. N not at all. <laughs> but, you worked in a, yeah, yes. well, you worked in a, in a similar situation at yes. UBS, and of course your, your yes. work at, at UBS, along with your colleagues, was many of the early, you know, mainstream media headlines uh, in, in this space. So how did you get to the point of, of doing those blockchain projects at, at UBS? That's a short story. I was, I was asked to do that. So basically, okay. um, By <laughs> UBS was looking for someone who knows about banking and knows about blockchain, and they could not find one. So they, they choose to take one who knows about blockchain. I did not know about banking back then, but I, I knew about blockchain. And so I they, find you? they found me through a friend of mine who was in innovation at UBS. And, and he heard that they are looking for a blockchain guy. And he knew that I was into that and that I was playing around with Ethereum. And so one one came to the other by chance, basically. Yeah, I, I, had, I had good friends and they... They knew what I was doing and saw the opportunity there. Well, in that case, how did you get started playing with blockchains in those early days of Ethereum? When did you start at UBS? I, you were fairly early at UBS, like I want to say, yeah, before the network was, launched, right? Right, yeah. Um, I started with UBS, I think, in May 2000. 15. To your question, how did I get to play with blockchains? Bitcoin, of course. I was I was studying. I was doing my PhD at in Zurich at ETH. The Bitcoin paper emerged. Nobody um, says ETH Zurich. No. 
Oh, that's that's it's a, disappointing. It's a source of, it's, yeah, it's a source of a big confusion. When I started um, playing around with Ether, and my my colleagues always thought that it's a university project, but it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> and we still and we still have that that confusion because we are now doing a meetup in at the, at the Crypto Valley Labs in Zug. The goal of the meetup is to bring research and startups together. One of the proposed titles was. ETH meets startups and we realized we very quickly realized it's not a good idea in the crypto space to to use the <laughs> to use ETH as a brand but um Indeed. yeah so i'm i'm digressing you wanted to know yeah i was i was in a in a project called um open coin in 2008 a friend of mine was doing that it was basically um, a re-implementation of digicash an open source re-implementation of, of DigiCash. The project is still online, opencoin.org. I, I was just helping out and interested and curious about money creation and, and what this same money is and, and what it means to have digital money. That was in 2008. So I was a bit primed on this on this topic of, of digital money and double spending and, and how to overcome um, the problem of double spending. And I was also very interested in, in peer-to-peer technology, um, in particular file sharing. Yeah, so Nutella, the protocol, Nutella was a big thing for me and was a, was one of the first protocols I, I really studied in, in, in more detail. Um, and peer-to-peer file sharing was a big thing in my opinion. Yeah, so the, the, the notion to have, to have unstoppable software artifacts and content out there that um, can be shared and is immune to, to censorship, that's, that, that was a very strong um, idea in my opinion. Bitcoin came along. Yeah? I was I was um, hanging around in the in the P2P foundation channels at that time. When the Bitcoin paper came along, I it was immediately clear to me that this was going to be a really big thing. And so I fired up my own node and I started mining on the CPU at that time. And that was I, I immediately liked it. Then came uh, Mount Gox. I, I put in a few dollars in, in Mount Gox. I was a student at that time, so I did not have much money. It was interest. It was for me it was the first time that I that I got into into something like trading. Yeah, and and um, it was really interesting for me to, to see this all evolve. You a few years later, Ethereum, Ethereum yellow paper. <laughs> I liked that too. I saw the potential of, of having a programmable block. At UBS, we were also working with Ethereum, and I convinced um, the bank that we need to go public with this, that we need to, to show and tell the world. And there, there is this DEFCON uh, 1 Ethereum developer conference. And How hard I, was it to convince them? It took me almost all of my work time there. Wow. So I was at UBS for eight months or so and I think it took me six months to convince them. One of my takeaways from that time is that corporate innovation is mainly a PR activity. It's not about creating new products, it's about creating good headlines. If you want to build something and if you want to change how the world works, um, that can become frustrating at times. It's very so. difficult to innovate as an incumbent, which is why yep. you say discussing incumbents is not that interesting. Exactly, and there is there, but there is one one more aspect to that: the people in there, they want to build stuff, they want to innovate, but from a systemic perspective, it's against the interest of the incumbent to innovate. Right. So it doesn't really work, and it frustrates people. At that time, this was one of the first public um, use cases uh, in the banking industry using Ethereum uh, when we when we presented smart bonds at Defcon One, and it was a it was a of course I mean in in, in hindsight yeah it's a it's a small step but it I think it was an important step for Ethereum to be taken seriously. It, it totally was, which is why I mentioned those UBS headlines, because it was uh, an important part of Ethereum's history that there was somebody out there 
taking it seriously, working in a, in a big incumbent. Of course, it turns out that, you know, as you say, like, it's hard to actually get something pushed into production <laughs> with an incumbent, but those headlines brought a lot of new people into the ecosystem. So tell me about how you decided to, to leave UBS. I mean, I can certainly understand why you wanted to leave UBS, given what you've just said, but how you decided to, to make that jump into into EtherRisk and, and how the project has evolved from start to now? That's a big question, I know, but I guess start at the beginning. <laughs> we, we always start at the beginning. I was, after UBS, I, I helped out with a blockchain education startup, also based in, in London at that time. And one of, so, so basically we, we realized that education is is one of the of the key things that's that's missing in that space and we were educating even at the time at UBS uh, um, a lot of the time um, went into educating others on on blockchain and smart contracts and what this is and what you can do with it and why it's important and and one of the areas I mean banking was was a clear use case for everything blockchain yeah so payments and remittances and financial instruments that's that that's it was clear that that this has um, yeah. is a good use case for blockchains. Right. But when you look, when you when you understand what a smart contract is and does, um, and when you think about what an insurance is and does, you will see a lot of parallels. A smart contract is a piece of software, a piece of logic. Um, you can send money into it, and under certain conditions, yeah, and under certain rules, the the smart contract can pay out. And um, that's exactly the description of a of an insurance. Yeah? An insurance takes money, takes a lot of small payments, premiums, um, under certain conditions, a damage, a claim. The insurance pays out. We quickly realized that we need to build something like this to to show that you can actually build insurance um, on the blockchain and I was discussing this idea of putting insurance on the blockchain with a few people and, uh, and a few of my friends my good friend David he basically wrote down his thoughts on, on this and, and put it out there and I was very unsatisfied with, with his write up <laughs> And I told him that I don't like it, and um, we we got into a discussion, and I, and this discussion was joined by Christoph, uh, and and um, Christoph and me agreed that this is not the right way to look at it, and that we need to do it differently, and and we were so much in agreement that we decided to meet and do it. So Etherisk <laughs> started to win an argument, basically. Etherisk um, started because we agreed on how not to do it uh, and um, we wanted to show that we can we can do it better and and differently that's how Etherisk emerged um out of out of the discussion in a slack channel you know so that's and, the, and then I, I basically that was in june 2016 i met christoph and we we sat together and we wanted to show that we can that we can build a parametric insurance and we wanted to show this for defcon 2 for shanghai so we we used um, most of the summer to to build the first version of flight delay and um, worked with oracleis um, thomas was very supportive and and very helpful he um, Thomas Bertani from from Oracle's he had come up with the first iteration of a flight delay um, product on on ethereum um, already in December 2015 for a hackathon in London I knew about this use case Christoph did not and I, I said so let's let's um, let's ask Thomas um, if, if he's fine if we if we take this and and develop this further and um, that's what we did and and he was not not only did he agree, but he also supported us a lot. And I think we were one of the first users of, of many of, of Oracle's um, features, yeah, encrypted URLs so that you could, could have um, credentials on uh, in your Oracle's calls. And, and one more feature that I don't remember now, but that, that was a good, a good showcase. And the other thing that, that happened at the time was that, that MetaMask was just coming out. Before that, in, in order to, to interact, with a decentralized application you always had first to sync your blockchain in your client and right. with metamask the user experience was was immediately there and we 
so I consider ourselves very lucky from a timing perspective. It was really very good timing. Yeah, Oracleize was just really ready to use with with an with an API. MetaMask was just about to be usable. Yes, and we were one of the first um, dApps that that used uh, this, and we received a lot of applause for that. Also. Um, we decided that we want to develop this further and participated in in the hackathon Hackether camp and that's when we built our our first our core team yeah, so Christoph uh, put the description in that we want to build tr- truly decentralized insurance and um, a lot of people reached out to us and said that's interesting and can I help out and and do you need do you need more people and and one of those guys was Renard <laughs> and and Renard was very eager and very keen to to work with us and we we never met him at that time but he was working from the west coast and and we were uh, sitting in Europe and and we were working together and um, Jake joined us Jake Brookman from CoinFund Ron Ron Bernstein uh, joined us at that time and they are still they it's still here you know so it's it's still they are still our advisors and provide support and and that's great and this all formed during these two months in in November and December 2016 when we when we participated in hack ether camp hack ether camp was a was a big milestone for us we we put together a white paper described how we think um, a risk model for parametric insurance should should look like and and should work and in hindsight this was this was a rather naive approach and and if we talk to actuaries they roll their eyes yeah but it's still um it, it, it was a good start it was yeah. more of a of a reinsurance approach if i recall correctly right yeah the, the white paper was was so in in the white paper we were discussing um one of the two major challenges that that we saw at that time. So basically, the the insurance um, application in the smart contract has has two major challenges or shortcomings. One of them is capital. So you need to have you need to pre-fund the risk pool. It's it's very easy. Yeah? So imagine you have a, a ten dollar premium and a and a hundred dollar payout. Um, and if you insure the first flight, what if this flight is delayed? Yeah. So you need to pay out a hundred dollars, but you have only collected ten. So right. this would not work um, and so what you need to do is you need to pre-fund the risk pool uh, you need to come up with some initial capital so so that the smart contract has a chance to pay out and of course someone needs to take that risk if you think about it in in traditional insurance terms this is reinsurance and so and we were not not very happy with the with the notion that yeah in the first in the first iteration of flight delay um, we put up the money yeah? so it was a, a few thousand ether at that time and, and that was not much um, so we we put we put a few ether together and and put this in the risk pool and um, and that was fine but of course this this could not scale. Yeah. We were discussing this with the team and then we came up with the with the idea let's tokenize it. Yeah. Let's basically um, put up a token. We we called it the risk pool token. We called it now back then we called it RSC FTD I think so risk pool token for for a flight delay. The basic idea was that you that we can that we can sell this token and the proceeds from from selling the token go into the risk pool they they fund the risk pool in return everybody who puts in money gets a share of the of the premiums yeah, so basically it's um, it's basically a bond a almost yeah it's 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 very much like a bond yeah so so basically it's a it's a financial instrument that that gives you fixed income and very clear um, how much uh, income you can you can get out of that you know, for providing this this capital. The thing is, so that was our idea how to decentralize reinsurance, and we we wrote the white paper on it. That's the 2016 white paper, and you can still download it on, on etherisk.com. The thing is, there was another challenge. Then the other big challenge was regulation and and licenses and. That was what I was just about to ask you: is how did you decide yes. to go for the, the regulated the and licensing? One. Yeah. Yes, and that was a big one because before that, when we when we started out with this, um, the lawyers always told us, "Don't call it insurance." Yeah. So if you call it, don't make that mistake. Yeah. You can't call it insurance. Yeah. Call it risk experiment or risk transfer platform or, or risk sharing platform. Yeah. We eventually settled with 
um, okay, let's call it a risk sharing platform, because if we call it insurance, um, it's, it's, it's clearly illegal because only if you hold an insurance license, you are allowed to sell insurance. And so um, in 2017, last year, we set out to get a license and find a license because we wanted this to be a fully licensed, fully regulated insurance business, which is operating on the blockchain. We wanted to bring together the benefits from the old world, which is very solid, regulated environment. So it's that's that's what builds the trust in in insurance, and um, that's what many think is is necessary. And we wanted to operate this in smart contracts on the blockchain. And basically, combining this was was our next big milestone. And we managed to do this in in October 2017. We found an, an insurance partner that was willing to work with us and to to do that experiment. And we we are using their license to sell flight delay insurance now. How hard so, was that? You went out and talked to insurance companies. What was your the general response that you received? We talked to about 80 insurance companies. 80? Yes. Wow. <laughs> and um, I think Atlas was number 55 or 56 or something yeah so i did not i did not count yeah but um it took us some time to find one that that is willing to to take that risk um and and work with us using this very immature and very experimental technology to to implement something like insurance we had some really bad experiences where we were basically counting on an insurance partner that in hindsight never really planned to work with us yeah they just wanted to learn and to to educate their people on on blockchain and and smart contracts and that was, is an experience that almost everyone in the space has. <laughs> yes, it's it's funny. Yeah, I, I can I can tell you we had we had interesting meetings with really large insurance companies. You know, like billion dollar companies. They were calling us up and said, "Yeah, let's work together. Let's do a proof of concept. Let's do a project together. Can you come and 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 present your solution to?" to us and, and our team so we can make a more informed decision on, on how we can best work together. And we went there, you know, two people or three people in a, in a startup. And we, we went there and, and instead of in a, being in a meeting room, we were, we were standing in front of an audience of, of 30 people who were basically wheeled in to learn and get educated about blockchain. And so it was a small two-people startup educating a multi-billion dollar um, uh, corporation on, on blockchain. And we, we just can't do that. You the know? It's, the it's free really consulting trap. Even the pay oh, exactly. consulting trap can be just as much of a trap. Yes, we realized it does not really make sense for us. So we, we wanted to work with, with people on a, on a more equal level. And the takeaway for us is we are not the only ones. Yeah? And also, for, for example, you, you mentioned it before, uh, the flight delay product of this, of this large insurance company. We know the team. We know who built this smart contract, but they are not allowed to talk about it. If you if you look at how the relations between insurtechs and um, established um, industry players works, you you see this pattern um, very often that the large um, insurance company dictates the rules. Yeah, they they basically say we have the customers, we have the capital, so you you play according to our rules, and that's not a very comfortable situation for for startups to be in. So and that that brings make- up a good point. Why did the why did the insurance company that you're working with like what's in it for them? They see the potential of putting uh, insurance uh, on a blockchain and of basically reinventing insurance with with new technology. And I th- I think that's that's absolutely um, how we see it too. Basically, <laughs> just education then for them. I mean, they're taking a risk, but they're getting educated. No, no, I don't think so. So it's it's. I mean, we are paying for for the license, yeah, and that's that's fine. We put up all the risk capital. That's also okay. Yeah, we pay the scales. We we pay for reinsurance um, in in a very traditional sense. Okay. But that's not that's not the point that I wanted to come to. I, I wanted to come to another conclusion of ours, which is <laughs> okay. We want, sorry. <laughs> we want we want to do it better. We want to enable insurtechs and and small startups to go out and test their product ideas and put insurance businesses out there to the customers in a matter of 
a few days and not months. And in in a very fair and balanced relationship um, with the license provider. So we want to become the insurance companies that startups want to work with. We have now a pipeline of about 20 projects that are basically waiting for our platform to mature and to emerge um, and and get ready for putting all those um, exciting insurance businesses on the Ethereum blockchain. That's where we want to be. Yes, yeah, so, so you basically now doing the dip token will be having a generating event in in the next few months is the decentralized insurance prog- protocol so mm-hmm. let's talk about that essentially you are the the token serves as a staking function for all of the different components of a traditional insurance company and so you were saying you want to be a platform for insure tech companies Tell me, I, I guess, talk through how the token will work for them and, and what the different components of, of insurance are that, that you see people using the token for. I give you a very concrete example. It's basically that the token and the token model that we have developed with TIP is solving one of our big issues in the current implementation of, of flight delays, and that is data quality. With Oracleize, we, lo- we love Oracleize and we like how they are operating. Um, but in some cases, we don't get the response that we expect. Especially, for example, on the on the testnet, uh, we, we see this many times, we don't get the callbacks. From a customer experience point of view, this is bad. If you expect an insurance application to give you a price, yeah, you, you don't want to wait and you don't want to see error messages. And if you if your flight lands, you want to get your payout and not um, uh, a few hours later, but basically immediately, immediately in the sense of in, in a few minutes, uh, within a few minutes. So we are not talking about real-time applications, but we are talking about reasonable expectations of, of turnaround. And Is, um, is that just a if, DevOps problem on, on their end, that they miss API calls? I frankly don't know. So that sometimes it's worse. And um, and if we have crypto kitties around, it's it's even worse. But the basic idea is that we can use tokens to incentivize a certain quality level using staking as a quality assurance mechanism. If you want to provide data, you're a service provider, you want to provide um, data, you want to provide an oracle, what you can do is you can stake tokens and you can make it mandatory for so if you want to provide light delay data service yeah, you need to stake tokens otherwise you can't play with us and you can't you can't provide data for our service and if you provide data of course you get you get compensated for for providing that data yeah so you have an ec- economic incentive but in order to participate in that you need to stake tokens and if you don't deliver in time you lose part of those tokens from a service point of view we can use these tokens to compensate someone else for providing the missing data yeah? so there is a gap in the in the user experience we don't know if this particular flight um, has been delayed or not so we can put it out there we can basically auction it away if we want yeah? and say we have uh, 50 dip here who wants to earn this dip for telling us if flight Alex 51 was um, was delayed today if flight starts or, or Oracle or uh, whatever Oracle service we are using um, does not deliver that data in time. That's the basic idea. And that's that's one of the utility functions that we have defined for DIP. Um, we have a few more. So you can you can also use DIP to pay for insurance. Um, you can use DIP to compensate service providers and to incentivize all the different participants uh, across the, the value chain of insurance. You have actuaries. You have people who come up with, with risk models. You have people who need to check claims. Um, you need people who do support. You need people who put all this together. You need product managers. You need um, business developers. So basically, a lot of different skills are needed um, across the whole value chain and, and what makes up a, a complex insurance product. In the traditional economy, it's the firm. It's the corporation that holds those people together and that incentivizes them by, by paying a salary. 
And um, in the blockchain world, we can use tokens for the same purpose. And we can we can use tokens to to glue those different skills and and different people that we need um, together to work together to provide a great customer experience. And that's what we're doing. You have the working flight delay app. You mm. also on your site you have a social insurance and a crop insurance. Is it safe to say that those two are the next two products that you'll be working on? <clears throat> no, the next. The next product that we are working on is an insurable crypto wallet. We want to provide a wallet that um, can be insured, so you can you can hold your crypto assets. And um, if the wallet breaks, or if there is a software bug, or someone finds an, a creative way to abuse the Ethereum blockchain subtleties to to empty your wallets, um, then you have insurance. Um, against that and that's so this will be so you've been pushing for essentially a multi-sig standard and this would be a insurance on the multi-sig standard basically it's an insurance on so so basically you can get the insurance only on a on a concrete implementation and processes around it so basically what we have done is we we have proposed a specification for a multi-signature wallet and the whole key creation and key generation and and key management process um, around that Basically saying, if you adhere to those standards, then your wallet is eligible for... We are working together with a few wallet developers, uh, Gnosis, um, Stefan, most most uh, prominently, who built the multi-sig wallet that is holding the most assets so far, and if, if, I, if I get this right. <clears throat> yes, and um, Christian Lundqvist has come up with a very nice and very simple um, implementation of a multi-sig wallet. We we took um, up on that and and basically um, proposed a, a very as only slightly modified uh, version uh, of that as a as a multi-sig standard. And immediately, like like one hour after we published that, um, people came and and found a flaw in that and and basically said, yeah, yeah you you can. You can run a, a denial of service attack on that, and that's that's not what we want. That's all an interesting learning experience, and and what we are trying to do is we we try to bring together the people who can implement such a wallet and the insurance companies, and find out where is the middle ground, where can we meet, and the the goal is to bring down the premiums to an affordable price. So our goal is to put this in a in a low single digit number let's say 1% maybe maybe it's 1.5% or even 2% but i would pay 1% of my assets per year in order to to have my holdings insured in our opinion this will drive adoption of crypto if we can get professional users, yeah, think of custodians, think of crypto funds who who hold crypto on behalf of others. Yeah? Right. If we can give them an insurance product that um, mitigates their risks, um, that's a that's a huge thing. That is a huge thing. Custodian is a a huge huge problem for yes. any sort of legacy exactly. investment firm that is trying to get involved in blockchain exactly. assets and figuring out how a custodian works. What would people be staking around this product? Around the insurable crypto wallet? Yeah. What would be the components that the token would be used for? That's a very good question. In fact, we I don't have a real good use for the token in, in that product. That's but that's in my opinion not not that much of a problem. Yeah, that's fair. What so what are the products after this? It's, that it's, you're a, it's on? a much more it's a much more traditional insurance product if you want. Huh? So right. in a sense it's it's really it's an insurance product for the crypto world and for the, the blockchain community. Of course, I mean we can we can think about how you can you can pay for that um, in tokens, or we can we, we even came up with the idea: yeah, your wallet can only be insured if it holds DIP tokens. Yeah? But of course, this would be artificial barriers that that we create on top, and that's not how we want to see token models evolve but it it could be one option to justify the the use of tip tokens also in this insurable crypto wallet context do you have a roadmap for future products after yes yeah so so basically one of the big 
so at the moment flight delay is on a in a in a very opportunistic mode if we if we have an event that we that we want to sponsor or that we are asked to support then we basically switch on flight delay for this event so if you if people are flying to that event they can ensure their flights we want to make this um, a continuous product which is basically available all the time. That's that's one big milestone for this year. We want to tokenize it, so um, make make it usable with with tokens, with dip tokens. And I'm also a big fan of Dai stable tokens. So I I really want to make this insurance product um, usable with with stable coins. After that, we are working weather based insurance. As, as the next um, parametric insurance product. The concept for crop insurance has been out there for, for over a year, but it's really not that easy to, to implement that. And we think there is a lot of potential and there is a lot of benefits, especially in, in um, developing countries where insurance is just not affordable. And even if you give it to the people for free, they, they still won't take it because they they don't know how to conceptualize insurance i think we can we can solve some of these issues by bringing down the operational costs to the level of a smart contract based um, parametric insurance did i mention that we have operational costs uh, by the factor 10 lower than traditional system you did not so um yeah that's that's why i'm asking uh, um we compared our we compared our implementation of flight delay with large insurance companies' implementation of flight delay, and um, we we so not on the blockchain a traditional um, flight delay insurance product. Of course, the the comparison is a bit unfair because as a as a three people startup, we we have different costs and we have different cost structures in in our company than a than a multi billion dollar insurance company. But the development costs of that of that traditional flight delay insurance product were a hundred times higher than our development costs, and the operating costs are um, affected ten higher. So we think we have a we have a bit of an of an edge when it comes to costs and um, efficiency. And what's even more important is you only pay for the infrastructure if you actually use the product. So you can put, you can deploy the smart contract and never use it. It does not um, accrue any costs. Only if you use it, you pay gas and you pay for, for the data services. You talked about cost structure. I did want to ask about the the insurance of the, the wallet. Is it is that fully collateralized? Like, Can I insure 100%? Is that the idea? Up to, up to a certain limit yes so so basically the idea is to get reinsurance for that there is a class of insurance um, cyber risk or so cyber insurance uh, which is which right. is very similar yeah for the insurance companies and for the reinsurance companies crypto is just a new class of risk you don't have any empirical data or, or you you have only very bad empirical data so it's it's a huge bet on on their side basically but if you if you compare it with the with the amount of risk um they have in their books anyhow yeah um it's what they call a small bet in big books yeah so right the idea is to diversify a risk and, uh, and uncorrelated exactly exactly and and so for them and we know that there, there are large reinsurance companies which have literally billions of dollars in available capital, which is not allocated because there is too little risk. Yeah. And in crypto, we have so much risk and um, we, we just need to have someone that brings those two together the unallocated risk on the on the insurance side the unallocated risk capital on the insurance side and the, and the huge amounts of risks that we that we see in crypto and we are working on that so that's a pretty key success factor though is is getting that part reinsured at a at a premium level that allows you to keep it down to exactly. the it's, 1% a year yes, something make, like that make Make it affordable. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows that Coinbase has insurance. Yeah, but if you if you look closer at what is actually insured, yeah, it's not much. Yeah, it's it's based. They have they have their hot wallets insured that hold about one percent of their assets. Yeah, and that's that's not much. Yeah, the the cold um, storage is not insured. We want we want to develop insurance for the for the cold storage part. 
so we've talked a little bit about the cost structure. What are the are there any other benefits, or do you want to elaborate further on that in terms of doing insurance on yes. on chain through Ethereum? One very important aspect of all this is that in the traditional insurance system, you have so so in commercial insurance, you have a strong conflict of interest. You have an an inherent a, a systemic moral hazard. The insurance company earns money by not paying out claims. Yeah, the insurance company finds a clause in your contract which makes them not pay your damage for whatever reason. It's their profit. It's profit for their shareholders. If you are the person who needs to assess a claim uh, and you are paid by the company that makes a profit by not paying the claim, that, that's actually not a, not a very sustainable relation. This and is why people hate insurance companies. <laughs> That's the point. Everybody hates insurance because if you really need it, they find a way not to pay. And and that's an experience that many many people share. Uh, you are, you are not the only one. Yeah? Absolutely, everybody of us has experienced that. Yeah, you have a damage with your car, with your house, what whatever. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's just lots of paperwork to do ex- at a time when you're you know troubled and under stress. Exactly, and. And that's something that we, that we can change with software-based insurance, with smart contract-based insurance, because the smart contract does not need to earn money. Now, the software doesn't care about profits. You can deploy a smart contract that acts and behaves just like an insurance, but it doesn't need to, to earn money. It, it brings back insurance to, to the roots of insurance, where, where it actually came from, to, to mutuals, to cooperative structures where people come together and, and create a pool to insure themselves against a, a certain type of risk. And only later emerged this idea that for holding this pool, I could actually charge some money because it's it's risky and then someone has to do it and you you better trust me to to operate this and that's how you you get this trusted third party that gains all the profits and um, that's not needed in in our sense if you have uh, such a powerful technology as ethereum i want to can i ask one more question Yes, I you can like, ask a question. I would like to understand. We we raised that question earlier, but I think we have not come back on that already. We are also chairing the insurance working group in, in Enterprise um, Ethereum Alliance, and we w- would like to see more insurance companies in there. So if you hear this and if you are an insurance company, please join us in the insurance working group at um, the Enterprise Ethereum Alliance. We need you there. That was my marketing um, fantastic marketing. <laughs> join yeah. the insurance working group of the enterprise ethereum alliance or is it the ethereum enterprise alliance i always get that wrong enterprise ethereum <laughs> okay there we go okay any more questions i think i'm i'm done i'm through yeah yeah i i think let's let's do the wrap-up question which is mm. Where can people find more about you, read your white paper? How can they follow you on Twitter and EtherRisk as well? <laughs> That's very good. EtherRisk.com, EtherRisk with a C. We have also just recently opened the registration for our token generating event. Um, you are very welcome to go and, and register at EtherRisk.com and support us and the Decentralized Insurance Foundation. Fantastic. Yes, in- insurance on the blockchain is definitely something that makes a lot of sense to me. So thanks for coming on and discussing it. People will love being able to hedge risks if they can't. Uh, that will make them willing to use a blockchain. So thank you for coming on and talking to us about EtherRisk. Thank you, Ivan. Thanks for having me. That was a very good experience. 